We are continuing our series that we started last week, Summer Stories. And uh, last week we talked about restoring broken relationships. How many of you know that's a big issue in our world? Right? Relationships fracture. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back because we learned through Jacob and Esau how to see restoration begin to actually happen. Amen? The, the Bible stories were not there just so that we have something to tell our kids. They're there for us to learn and to grow from. So today we're going to be talking about overcoming discouragement and depression. Let me just say, has anyone ever been discouraged or depressed? We should see almost everybody's been discouraged. Come on. It's just a reality of life. But depression is a little bit different issue. My family will tell you that's not something I've, I've had to deal with discouragement. Depression has not really been something I've dealt with because they'll say, You're, my emotions are like my highs are right here and my lows are about right here. All right, I just kind of kind of hover through life going up and down just a little bit, you know, while some people have like the, you know, the mountains and the valleys, just the whole thing. So just because I haven't dealt with it, I've encountered and counseled with many people that have struggled with uh, real depression. And if you see over these last few years uh, with COVID, politics, does anybody get depressed watching politics? Come on. Let's be real here. You look at the economy, uh, the decline of morals and hope in our world, and, and then just life in general. Life in general. You lose a loved one. How many of you know that's hard to get over sometimes? All right? Loss of a job. That's, that's depressed. Broken relationships. Uh, the decline of your own health. How many of you know sometimes you get a little frustrated because you can't do what you used to do? And uh, all of those things can take a, a toll on you. And I found an according uh, a recent poll from 2013 this year, uh, over the last uh, eight years, uh, that people that have dealt with depression in 2015, it was at 19.6%, so about one out, of, uh, uh, one out of five people. Now it's almost 30% are dealing with that over the last eight years. That's a big rise. Oh, think about this. Almost one-third of the population of the United States has dealt with or will deal with depression in their lifetime. Not just discouragement, but real depression. Uh, so if you haven't personally, you probably know many people that have. Am I right? You probably have some in your family, some of your friends that are just trying to get through life, but that heaviness has overcome them. And uh, let me just say, the same poll shows that people that are currently, at this particular moment, depressed, 17.8, almost 20% of people in the U.S. are currently dealing with depression. That's huge, isn't it? That should be something as a church that we talk about. I mean, we want to talk about God is good, and sometimes, I mean, this has been a good service, right? You just felt the excitement of the Lord, but can I tell you, if you're dealing with depression, uh, that can be very hard to sit through, right? Because it's like all these people are rejoicing, but I just don't understand it. You know, there was a, some guy, uh, uh, sons of Korah in the Old Testament, they led worship, and they actually wrote some of the Psalms. We always attribute all the Psalms to David, but David did not write all of them. Psalms 42 was written by the sons of Korah who would lead in worship the people of God. He had this conversation, why are you so downcast on my soul? He's talking to himself, right? He's in there in this place of depression and, and discouragement. And it's like, why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells himself, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. How many of you know you got to get to the point where you're telling yourself because it doesn't really help if you're down and somebody just says, hey, just put your hope in God. Does that help? No, not if you're the one that's really struggling through it. No, you've got to do that battle. There is a battle to get out of depression. There is a fight that you have to go through to where you can become like the psalmist and say, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? And God begins to change your heart. So I want, to, uh, I want to help with this. I want to take you through the life of somebody that had to deal with these exact same feelings, a man that dealt with depression, he dealt with discouragement. You don't need to tell somebody to tell you that you're feeling down because how many of you know you feel it? You feel it, right? Difficult and unexpected circumstances happen in life all the time. 
You know, you have an idea of how it's going to happen, how, you know, this week I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but discouragement really is a part of our life. Things don't always go your way, am I right? Things, uh, how many of you know, life is not like Burger King. You don't always get it your way, do you? So discouragement uh, is usually temporary. Depression is a little bit deeper. It hangs around even if your circumstances change. Understand this because a lot of people have faced condemnation because they've dealt with it. But I want to tell you, it is not a sin to be depressed. Okay? It's not, it doesn't mean that you're a weak Christian. It doesn't mean you're a bad person because you're dealing with it. Now, I, I know that there's chemical reasons sometimes that people are uh, dealing with depression. And I would say, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not dealing with the chemical aspects. But I do know a God that can heal that. Am I right? God can do that as well. So, but I do want to talk about when life comes and the circumstances get you down and you find yourself battling discouragement or depression. So we're going to talk about one of the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, Elijah, a mighty man of God. God used him in some amazing things, a man of faith. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about his miracles. I want to talk about the low point of his life. And I want to set up this whole, this whole thing because he had a huge victory where the, against the prophets of Baal. He was in Israel at a time where they had all turned their back on God. They were serving a false god. And, uh, and so uh, God prompted Elijah, hey, listen, have them build an altar to Baal and you build an altar to God and tell them to put a sacrifice and whichever God comes down and consumes the sacrifice, that's God. And the prop 450 prophets of Baal agreed. And they're out there cutting themselves, pleading all day long. And uh, I, I, or Elijah is taunting them like, hey, maybe louder. Maybe your God's on a break. Maybe he's, you know... And so he's messing with them. After all day long, nothing happens. They're exhausted. Elijah comes, dumps water on his sacrifice, builds a trench, it's just consumed. And then fire came down from heaven, consumed it all. It was an incredible victory. You can read the whole story out of 1 Kings uh, 18, but that wasn't the end of it because uh, Israel was in a drought. And as Californians, we understand droughts, am I right? They didn't have any rain. It had been three years since it had rained. And Elijah prayed, a little cloud came, and all of a sudden this incredible thunderstorm came, and they got rain. And, and all of the people, after they saw this thing happen, uh, it says all the people there saw, they fell prostrate to the ground. They cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How many of you know we call that a revival? Right? When all these people that are serving a pagan God all of a sudden turn and begin to serve the real God, that's an incredible moment. And any pastor, evangelist, what a missionary, when there's an amazing turnaround like that, that's awesome. That's something, I, mean, I want that. We want to see things like that. He was popular. He was, uh, all, he was like riding this high until there was this one person that didn't like Elijah. We know who that is, right? Who? Jezebel, the wicked queen, was angry and she was jealous. And after all this amazing thing, this is what she said. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like the life of one of them. And she was talking about the 450 prophets of Baal that ended up dying. She wanted to kill him. That was a death threat that she sent them. And after this incredible defeat of the prophets of Baal, ending a long drought, you would think that, I'm sure Elijah's thinking, hey, listen, I'm going to be celebrated. People are going to be looking up to me. But then what he got instead was a death threat. Like, what in the world? That's so wrong. That's so unfair. It's really not at all what he expected. And just like Elijah, when we're dealing, we get depressed when things don't go the way we expect. Am I right? Anybody ever feel that? It didn't, you know, maybe you're going to the job and you're expecting a raise and instead you get laid off. Like, wait a minute, I wasn't expecting that. Maybe you invest money. I know nobody's ever done this. You invest money into something expecting a good profit and all of a sudden you lose all that money. All right, that's discouraging. Maybe you expect to have health. Instead, you get sickness. Now, all kinds of things. You expect to get ahead in life, and except, instead, something else happens. Oh, man, I got a little money finally saved up, and then your transmission goes out in your car. Anybody ever been there? 
They're like, ah, I was just, I just had the money. Uh, What's going on? So here's the, the reality of our life. There is a gap between our expectations and reality. And wherever that gap is, that's where the source of discouragement comes from. Like, I expect this, but I'm getting this. So here's a, here's a principle in that. It's like, don't set your expectations too high. You can expect God, but you got to trust Him in the midst of it. Amen? There's a lot of people that will lose their faith in this, this gap right here. Because, oh, I got this. How many of you know that's how come some marriages fall apart? You enter in, and you think it's going to be like the Cinderella story, and, uh, and it doesn't turn out to be that. How many of you, I don't know if you know this, Cinderella is a fairy tale. It means there is no Cinderella story in life, unless there's a marriage here that says, oh yeah, we've been, you know, happily ever after. We've never had a discussion or a, a heated discussion. Uh, I don't think that happens. That may happen for one couple on their first day of marriage, uh, but you know what, be married long enough and you're going to find out things aren't always like you expect, Right? That's why sometimes people leave a job, and I know this has happened to you. You went into a job, you had an expectation, and it wasn't what you expected. Anybody ever been there? And you're like, I'm out of here. I expected something else. You said this, and it's not happening that way. That's why sometimes friendships fall apart because, oh, you're my friend, and I'm expecting this, and they don't always deliver. You know, you don't always live up to everybody's expectation. We're all going to fall sometime. And this is a reality even in the church. Sometimes people leave a church because I got this expectation. You failed to meet my expectation. Can I tell you, I've been pastoring for a long time. I have failed to meet a lot of people's expectations. Yeah, I heard that amen. It's true, right? I can't do it. I mean, that's, in order to meet everybody's expectations, you've got to be better than the plate spinners that are up there trying to keep everything going and try to make sure everybody's happy. That's stressful right there. That's depressing. Here's the thing. With uh, Elijah, it didn't meet his expectations. He got a death threat. And look what the Scripture says. He was afraid, and he ran for his life. Elijah had just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. Now he's afraid of one woman. How many of you men understand that a little bit? Right? <laughs> it's like, okay, I kind of get that, right? So I'm just, just kidding. Let me move on. My wife told me to calm down when I said that in first service. But, <laughs> but what happened here is that he forgot about God. He forgot about God's power, his strength, the things that God has done, and now he's running from the queen. And I want to tell you, sometimes things go wrong, you forget about what God has done in your life. You think, oh man, now I got this situation, I got to come up with a plan. I got to figure this out. I got to make things happen. So number two, we get depressed when we forget about the power of God in our life and the things. Instead, we try to handle it on our own. All right, God, you got me this far, now I'll take over. Is that a problem? No, if God got you this far, how many of you know God's the only one that's going to get you all the way? The Bible says in Hebrews that he is the author and finisher of our faith. It began with him, and guess what? It's going to end with him. So we don't have to take over. So it says that he ran for his life, and it says when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Now, sometimes we just read over stuff, but it's like, why did he leave his servant there? I feel like if he had kept his servant around and they're in the process of running, his servant could have said, wait, 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 Elijah, why are we running? Remember what God just did? Remember that fire that came out of heaven and devoured that? Remember all those dead prophets of Baal? Remember that rainstorm that came out of nowhere? Listen, God has been through it with us. We can handle one old woman, right? We can, God can take care of that, right? But guess what? Elijah didn't hear any of that. Why? Because he was alone. He was alone. He didn't hear the words of encouragement because what he did is that he retreated into solitude. And I believe that we can do the same thing. We've all probably done that at one time or another. When things go bad, what do we do? We withdraw. We pull back. The very people who could encourage and build you up and challenge you, we sometimes leave them behind. 
And I, and I know sometimes it's not intentional. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm intending to cut people out. We just kind of get those tunnel visions sometimes and we see our problems, our challenges, and, and we're not intentionally cutting people out, but at the same time, we don't intentionally bring people around us. There is a difference in it. If you're going to uh, overcome that, there are ways that I intentionally have people in my life. And, and one of the, the main ways that we do that here at uh, Freedom Church is our life groups. And, and this is our little motto, mo, motto, motto, let me say it slowly, because life is better in community. How many of you believe that? Right, you can be isolated and try to do it on your own, but I want to tell you, it's going to be very, you can make it to heaven that way, but I want to tell you, life is better in a community where we encourage and build each other up. And this stuff is all on our website. Uh, these are the purposes of our small group, is to gather. Gathering together focuses on fellowship, community, relationship building. Life is better uh, connected because life happens between Sundays. How many of you know your problems all don't wait for Sunday to come around? Sometimes they come on a Tuesday. Sometimes they, and if you're like, well, I don't have any connections, man, I can't wait till church. When you are a part of a small group, you've got connections, right? You've got people that you can call up that will help carry that burden with you. The scripture talks about all these one another's, love one another, carry one another, uh, encourage one another. You can't do that if you have no relationship. So it is to gather. Secondly, it is to grow. Growing together in Christ focuses on the group studying intentionally, praying for one another, and to move. Moving together focuses on service by being the hands and feet of Jesus locally and globally as groups grow and study. So uh, this is a, we've had small groups here, life groups going on, and we got some great ones going on right now, uh, but we are taking a step, and a few weeks ago I mentioned that uh, Christina is going to be our small group, uh, our life group director, and, and I didn't have, I didn't, we didn't pray for her last time, but this really is a uh, staff, unpaid staff position, uh, but who knows, maybe one day it'll grow to that. I believe a, a church that has small groups thriving is going to thrive itself. So I wanted to take a minute in the service and pray for her. And, and I asked her if you could come up, and, and I'm going to ask some of our leaders if you guys will come up and uh, lay hands on her, because it's, like, it's almost like you step into another ministry. Oh, no, what am I going to do? And, uh, yeah, you guys come on up, Pat and Sean and Jim and Bob and Doris, come on up. So, we're not shy here, so... Uh, Amen. Amen. So, uh, you know what? I'm just going to... Doris, would you mind praying, leading prayer over her? <laughs> she's, she's my small group leader, so yes, I'm going to pray for her. And just pray that... Yeah, we're just praying that God will uh, give her uh, creative ideas and places to uh, take our small groups to different levels. Amen. Father, we lift up Christina right now. You found her. You chose her for this ministry. And we just praise you that you will equip her, that you will fill her with your ideas, with your, because you are the one who loves every single person yeah. in this church. So we know that you will work through her to reach the, the ones that might not ever want to be in a group, Father. Yeah. Uh, but we want them to be blessed. We want to be in community. So right now we, we lift up Christina. We ask you to fill her with your joy yeah. that she knows that it's not going to be herself that's doing the work, mm. but that you're working through her. And um, we thank you also for David, her husband, that he can... Um, be very understanding and that he will be with her walking through this journey and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Did you want to say anything? Okay. <laughs> Amen. And I wanted to take that because it's it's important that we pray. All right, I'm talking in two microphones again. So this fall, I want to encourage you, if you've not been a part of a small group, get a part of one. We have a, a young adults group that meets twice a month. We've got uh, one that meets right here, 10, 10 o'clock, Bob and Maryland. So uh, on Tuesdays, Tuesday nights up in Pollock Pines at James and Robin's house. And what night do you guys meet, Christina? Friday? Sunday night, so uh, uh, all of that information is on the board. We're, gonna, we're praying to expand that even more, amen? So uh, 
That's important. We've got to be connected. One, And I know sometimes, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Can I tell you, Elijah would have been in a lot better place if he had a small group. Yeah. All right? He would have been in a lot better place. So uh, I, sometimes I hear people, oh, I don't want to be around people. I just, you know, I'm struggling. I don't want that. But how many of you know that's exactly when you need to be there? When you don't want to be there, you've got to go against it because here's a reality. Isolation feeds depression. When you isolate yourself, you're just perpetuating it even more. When you're struggling on it, the last thing that you need to do is withdraw from people. And Elijah, you know, he took off. The Bible says he took off. He ran for his life. He left his servant. Then it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree sat under it, and prayed that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. I bet you there's many people in here that have found themselves at that place at one time or another. God, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, I have no more energy. He told him I had enough. So that's what isolation will do to you. And here's the reality. You get depressed when you are worn out. When you're worn out, some of you guys have been there. It's like you're digging a hole to get yourself out. But guess what? The more you dig, the deeper you get. And you just get stuck in that. You find yourself exhausted by the thought of anything. I don't want to think. You, well, let me just go to bed. Just want to go to bed with the air conditioning on, of course. But, uh, and, uh, and you feel that fatigue, right? <laughs> so you've got to have the air conditioner. There's no rest happening. But the fact is that fatigue feeds that depression as well. And so what does he go on to say? He's like, he says, take my life, Lord. I am no better than my ancestors. Just take my life. Number five, you get depressed when you start comparing yourself to others. He's comparing himself to his aunts. I'm no better than them. And here's the, here's the trap of comparison. Usually we compare our weaknesses to other people's strengths. Isn't that true? Think about it. If I could just do like, if I just had the energy of Christian, you know, or if I just, if I could sing like Christina or, you know, all of these things, we compare. Listen, I don't ever want to expect to sing like my son or like Christina because uh, I don't have that voice. And I'm okay with that. That's my weakness. So, but we compare, you know, some of you might be saying, man, I just wish I was the husband like Pastor Scott was. I didn't say that in first service because my wife was in that service. So, uh. But here's what I want to challenge you. Don't compare yourself to others. Can I tell you, that's one of the reasons that social media can be a trap. Because we like to take pictures of the great moments in life, but not the bad moments. Right? Like, I love taking pictures of my grandkids and put it there, but it's while they're having fun, they're playing in the pool, they're happy. Uh, we didn't, I didn't take any of pictures when they were babies and they, like, blew out their diaper. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah, look what I have, you know. We didn't, we didn't post them when they're in the middle of uh, crying and fighting. We're not posting those pictures. So social media gives people an attitude that everybody's life is better than mine. It's a trap. Stop comparing yourself. If you get depressed watching social media, you better get off of it, right? And realize everybody struggles. Everybody has issues. Stop that comparison because it just takes you down a darker, darker road. Amen? Verse 5, he says, uh, Then he laid down under the tree. He fell asleep. At once the angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread. Baked over hot coals. So just for those that are keeping track, that's the first biblical reference of angel food cake. Okay. Boo, right? Sorry. So there was the cake of, I have no kind of bread. A hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank it and laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So the angel's telling him, listen, you're not going to be able to do this on your own. It's too difficult. Your, your body can't handle it. You need help. And we have to get to that point because what happens is we can get depressed when we try to do things in our own strength. And that's kind of the American attitude, right? Just buck up, you know what? Cowboy up or whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, I can do this. I don't need anybody else. And, and the reality is if that's our attitude, you know what God does? All right, go ahead. 
You think you got it, go ahead and do it. And then we try it, and then we fall down on our face, and eventually we're like, okay, God, I give up. I need you. Don't do it in your own strength. The Apostle Paul, when he was struggling with his thorn in the flesh, like, oh, God, take it away. What does he tell him? He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power. This is God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Notice that God's power is not made perfect in our strengths, right? In our weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power might rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, this has always been bizarre to me, I delight in weaknesses, I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecution, and in difficulties. Why? Because when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Isn't that countercultural? That's not like what the world says. So what, what we need to learn from that is, number seven, acknowledge my weakness and receive his strength. Amen. That's an aspect of humility that happens like, God, I can't do it on my own. Lord, I need your help. I need your help to get through this situation in my life. And, and it's okay to acknowledge your weakness. Amen. Verse 8 and 9. Then he got up, he ate and drank, strengthened by that food, that angel food cake, right? says he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, a mount, the mountain of God, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, think about this, because as I'm reading this, he just traveled 40 days and 40 nights strengthened from that one meal. That's some protein right there. That's a miracle, right? He had one meal, and then God supplied him with enough to make it that whole way. That's a miracle. Amen. And Elijah traveled to, it says the mountain of God. What is the mountain of God? It's Mount Sinai. How many of you remember what happened at Mount Sinai? Somebody encountered a burning bush. Moses, and not only that, the Ten Commandments came. Uh, let me just say, that's a pretty good place to run when you're in trouble is to the mountain of God. Amen. God, I'm coming to you. But here's the difference. Moses went there on a mission from God. Elijah was there not on a mission from God. He was running from God. He was running from his mission. So he made it to Horeb, and instead of thanking God for the provision that strengthened him, he found another place to hide. Where? He went from a tree to a cave. There's a cave. Let me hide in here. I want to get there. He had forgotten that God had been with him and providing for him that whole way. And that's kind of what happens when we get depressed and discouraged Sometimes we're just so focused on ourselves, we can't see what God is doing. We're so focused on our problem that, that we forget how God has blessed us. We forget about God's miraculous provision, that God has been helping us, but we're so focused, we don't even recognize it. We don't even see it. If we could only see God's hand, his blessing, it would change. So uh, number eight, in your depression, we miss God's blessings. We miss how God has been there for us the whole time because we're so focused. Verse 9, and the word of the Lord. Here he is. He's in his cave. He's at the mountain of God. He's hiding in this cave. And God shows up and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> how many of you know sometimes if God asks a question, he actually expects an answer? <laughs> Elijah didn't answer that question. He thought that, you know what, now's my opportunity to bring God up to speed on what's been going on in my life. Here's my chance, right? Because God is unaware. How many of you know sometimes we, feel, we have to fill God in on our prayer? Oh, God, did you know this was happening and that was happening and all of these things were happening? God, have you seen our country lately? And we feel like we got it. That's kind of what Elijah was doing. Look what he, he replies to what, you're, what are you doing here. He replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, put your prophets to dead with, death with a sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And you know, God's response was that, to that was, wow, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Elijah. Thank you for bringing me up to date on current affairs. It is a good thing that you ran. Is that what God said? No. What happened is Elijah lost his perspective. He lost it. 
he was at this place of just wallowing in self-pity. And, and Elijah's basically saying, look around, God. I did what you told me to do. I followed your instruction. Now look where it got me. Now look what's happening. I'm the, look what he says. I'm the only one left. It's safe to say Elijah wasn't thinking straight. And the reality, it's not true. I mean, remember when the fire came on those mountains and all of the people say, God, you are God. The nation turned into revival. The reality is that he had more people for him at that point than any other place in his life. More were on his side, but he left everyone and said, I'm all alone. He wasn't the only one left. He was actually the only one who did leave. He's the only one that did leave. So I want to tell you, when you are in the deep valleys and you feel all alone, you lose your perspective, it's hard to get outside of your world and see things from a different perspective. It's just very hard to see that God is right there. So number nine, in your depression, sometimes we exaggerate the negatives. Isn't that true? It's like uh, every mistake that somebody might make, oh, that was an attack on me. Oh, did you see what they said to me? Oh, they, and we read into every message, every text, every, and we add whatever tone we want to add to it, right? They said, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, wait a minute, I didn't know text messages had a tone to it, all right? And it, I'm not talking about just all capital letters, but we get into those situations and we, we start feeding ourselves a bunch of lies like nobody loves me, nobody, nobody likes me, I'm going to eat worms, right? So... Uh, no one cares. Everything is bad. This, nobody will ever love me again. You know, this, I had it all. Listen, that is a sign of depression. When you start negative self-talking yourself, you're not in a good place, and you're just going to keep that depression going. It's like pulling up to the gas station and say, you know what, I I'm starting to get a little encouraged. Can you put a little more depression gas in me? Get my depression car going. Oh, okay, good. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. Uh, we start telling ourselves these things. And you know it. You know that it's not true, but we're just kind of at this self-pity place. You've moved from hiding under a tree to hiding in a cave. And I believe that God would say, listen, get your eyes off yourself, off of your circumstances, and look at me. God is saying, you're not alone. You're not alone. And that's exactly what God did to Elijah. He's in the cave. He's hiding out. And in verse 11, he said, God tells him, Go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. You see, up until this moment, Elijah's just been running. He's hiding. Never once does the scripture tell us that he stopped to get into the presence of the Lord. He's just, I'm running. I'm out of here, right? And God is saying, get out of the cave because I'm coming by. Now, God told Elijah where to go, right? God told him, get out of the cave. How many of you know, today we know where to go? We know we got to be in a fellowship. We've got to be around God's people. But not only that, we got to have our time with God. We got to get in God's presence. We got to get in God's word. We got to do whatever it takes to get there. When you're depressed, don't stay home isolated from the people of God. Get to church. Like, I got to go. I got to get there. So, so, number 10 is fight depression by getting in the presence of God. Like, did anybody happen to feel the presence of God here earlier today in this? Like, like and, and you know what? If you stayed home, you would have missed it. So many times it's like, oh, I just don't think I can make it today. I've got this going on. And, you go, and it's like if you would have just come, you would have felt the presence of God. And I guarantee it would begin to lift you up. Amen. Somebody would have come to your left and your right and, and given you a hug that you're not going to. How many of you know you can't get hugs at home? Right? I mean, I guess if you have family there, but... Uh, you need to be around other people. So get into the presence. I can just tell you personally, for me, it always works. I got to get into God's presence, but at the same time, I got to get around God's people. Yeah. All right? I need people around me. When I'm struggling, I don't need less connection. I need more connection. Amen. Verse 11. So God says he's about to show up. Get out of the cave. Check it out. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart shattered the rocks before the Lord. Man, that's powerful. It's like, man, God, you got to be in that. But it says what? The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Listen, we, under, we understand all of these. And then there was a fire. California, do we understand powerful winds? And do we understand earthquakes? And we certainly understand fires. 
But check it out. And all of those, the Lord was not in it. Then after that, the fire came a gentle whisper. Listen, if you grow up, how many of you know what the King James says? It's a still, still small voice, right? Can I just say this? Because sometimes translations don't always get it exactly right. The better translation, because it's hard to translate silence into whisper, because it really means more silence or stillness. In the NRSV, it says, after the fire, it was a sound of sheer silence. Like no other noise was going on. And uh, we would think God is in the earthquake, he's in the fire, uh, but it was that sound of stillness that Elijah all of a sudden sensed the presence of God. Anybody ever been there before? It's like, man, you've got so much going on, but it was like when everything finally stills down. That's why uh, Psalms 46.10 makes sense. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to get a revelation of God if I can just quiet my life down long enough to hear from him. And that's exactly what got Elijah out of the cave. He knew that God was there. And I believe there's a lesson because uh, we seem to always need noise. Amen? We've lost about what silence does because it kind of makes us awkward. I've got to have noise. I've got to have music. I've got to have something going. I mean, if I, they have proven this. that If I would have said we're going to be a, quiet for an exact a whole minute, inevitably there would be like a couple people would cough and there would be some movement because uh, it just happens. It's something psychological because we don't like quiet, right? We're uncomfortable with silence, and so we try to make it go away as fast as we can. Let me just say, when we do that, we miss what God wants to speak to us in silence. We miss it. The silence spoke to Elijah, but God showed Elijah his power. Not in the earthquake, you saw the power of God. You saw the power of God in the wind and the fire, but it was in the silence that God showed his presence. Does that make sense? I love the power of God. I mean, that's amazing. But, and the power is, is awesome when you see it, but his presence is what gives us life. Amen? And that was in the silence. God was there when the fire was consuming the sacrifices, but he's also there at your lowest points. He's also there when you're struggling. He is the God of the mountaintops we talk about, but he is also the God of the valley, and he is here. I want to tell you today, I believe somebody needs to hear this. He is here with you. You may be at a high where you're singing, our God is great. You may be at a low where you're doubting, is God really there? But I want to tell you, God is here. If we will listen, quit striving, quit struggling, just get into the presence of God and be still, settle yourself down, don't do anything and discover the voice in the presence of God in stillness. Does that make sense? Elijah, he senses God and it says he heard it. He heard silence. No, he didn't hear silence. He heard the voice of God in the silence. And it says, he pulled the cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Listen, if you want to fight depression, you need to obey God. Amen? Does that sound simplistic? You know what God has told you. You know what you're doing wrong. How many of you know we all know what we're doing wrong? Do you need anybody to come and tell you? You know, King David said, my sin is always before me. He knew what he did wrong. We just have to take a little step back and listen to it. Because here's the reality, if we are actively disobeying God, and we, uh, we should expect depression to continue, because disobedience distances you from the very thing you need most, and that's God's presence. As long as we're walking away from God and doing our own thing, and we're expecting the presence of God, no, we've got to walk in that obedience. Okay, God, I surrender. I'm going to follow after you. Amen? Verse 13, then a voice said to him again, oh, did I, I missed that. So number 11, y'all can put that in your notes real quick. Uh, fight depression by obeying God. But then the next verse, verse 13, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Does that sound familiar? He didn't answer it the first time, right? But I believe that this time he's hearing that voice in a little gentler, soothing way. And so Elijah simply responds, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty the Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. So he's saying the exact same thing. He's saying the exact same thing, but here's the reality. Depression caused him to actually believe that. And that's what we need to understand. When you are walking in discouragement and depression, you believe the worst. 
And his feelings are valid here. I just want you to understand. Before, it's kind of a complaint. Now, I think he's just being re- real. And, uh, but God do, knew better. And I love this because now in that voice, now that he's heard and in the presence of God, God gives him clear directions on how to get back to where he's supposed to be. How to get back to that place. Verse 15 and 16, it says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go up to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, and anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, anoint Elisha son of Saphath, and from that place right there to succeed you as prophets. So uh, we'll let you figure out how to pronounce it. Here's the thing. God didn't want, and I think I want, we need to get this. God didn't want Elijah to stay at Mount Sinai. He had other plans for him. God has other plans for every one of us here. Not to sit in our our self-pity, but God has things he wants us to do. And so he's saying it's time to go back and do what you're supposed to do in the first place. Leading Israel in the revival. He left a revival. It's time to get back to that. It's time to start anointing kings. It's time to start anointing prophets. And, And basically God is telling him, it's been long enough, Elijah, get up and go back. Get out of the cave and get back. You've been out of the game long enough. Because he understood that if Elijah would have stayed there, if he would have stopped there, that's where he would have stayed. Go back to your assignment. Listen, and I want to tell you, if you're hearing me, if you stop life in your low point of life, you're going to stay in the low point of your life. Who wants to stay there? I don't, right? When things go wrong, that is the best time to be faithful and obedient to God. When things are not working out, I know we want to drop everything, you know, cut line and run, but we need to say, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful. I know I'm not feeling it. So number 12 is to fight depression by returning to your assignment, the thing that you were called to do. And I'm not saying, well, just pretend everything's okay. Because you and I, we all go through things and everything is not okay. And that's not what God says, but that's part of what the fight is. I don't feel okay, but I'm going to be obedient to the things God called me to do, whether I feel it or not. And so that's the problem that a lot of people, they live their life by their feelings. When I feel like it, I'll do it, right? When I feel better, then I'll get in the right place. No, you walk in obedience, and guess what? Feelings begin to follow. You begin to invest. He told him to go back and anoint Elisha who followed him as a prophet. Get back to doing. He became his most faithful follower. We have to fight depression by taking our eyes off of ourselves and investing it into other people. Right? Giving to other people. Caring about other people. Calling other people. Serving other people. That's how you fight it. So that's number 13. Fight it by investing in other people. I promise you it works. And you're like, well, I don't feel like it. Listen, you begin to serve other people and minister to other people, care about other people, and guess what? God takes care of you. If you think you can take, oh, no, I'm just going to worry about myself, you're going to stay at the lowest point of life, and you're going to stay there, and you're going to set up camp there. I've always told people, the 23rd Psalm says, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, right, I will fear no evil. I always tell people, listen, he tells us to go through it. Right? He doesn't say to set up camp, pitch a tent, and stay there. Right? We got to get up. We got to go through those difficult times and get to the other side because God is with us. Amen? Amen. So, and, fi- and find a place to serve. That's so important. Find people that you care about. If you see somebody is not here that should be here, uh, how about a phone call to them? How about reaching out to them and say, hey, listen, I've missed you. Are you doing okay? Is there something I can pray with you about? Not just here, but you have people in your life that you know that are struggling. Reach out, invest in them. Amen? So God finished with the reality check to him. He says, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, look what he says, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knee have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouth has not kissed him. So remember Elijah said, I'm the only one. Right? And he said, oh no. Number 14 is fight depression by remembering you're not alone. And I want to tell you that here today. Listen, if you feel unconnected or disconnected, I want to tell you it's your responsibility to connect. 
right? I can't connect you. We can give opportunities for you to connect, but you need to find a place that you can connect and begin to build relationships with others, amen? That means you've got to take time out of your day, out of your week, whatever it takes, because not only is God with you, and we know that, right? Sometimes we don't feel it, but when you have other people that are physically present that will be there to pray for you, uh, I want to tell you, you're going to get connected more and more. Amen? Uh, listen, if you've been struggling, I'm not going to make you raise your hand and say, oh, I'm depressed, Pastor, pray for me. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. But if you've been facing some discouragement, maybe you're battling depression. And you're here, and you're like, I'm hearing all these words. I want you to begin to hear God in the silence. And, uh, and I thought about this song that they're going to lead us in, but can we just take a moment and to get into the presence of God as, uh, as the worship team is leading this? And then we're going to come back at the end, and we're going to have some time of prayer. Uh, I went a few minutes over. I hope it's okay. You'll avoid the heat, right? So uh, let's take a few minutes here. Our, worship, our prayer team to come up and if you need prayer for anything particular uh, just take a moment while this song is going on there's a number of people that will be up here to pray for you
There's still several that are being ministered to up here, but we just want to thank you guys for coming. You can hang out for a few minutes, obviously, but, uh, you know, if you need to go, we're going to go ahead and dismiss, but uh, we don't want to rush what God's doing up here. Amen. Amen. You guys have a blessed day.